for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my talk about is Destiny becoming totally free to play long term? If you're listening to this on any of the other platforms, you can always watch me live on YouTube. SNTRlive.com will get you there. Uh, If you're looking for the uploads, you can always go to the upload channel. You might be watching this on the upload channel. There's usually a card in the corner that'll bring you over to the live stream uh, and that's a great way to join us for these conversations. So why are we talking about this? You know, is Destiny becoming totally free to play? A lot of folks are sort of looking at the runway and they feel the stars and the planets are aligning that long term once we get so far into the life of the game they are eventually going to allow this game to coast on the seasons only and that's essentially what we're going to be talking about today i see it from a completely different perspective i actually don't think this is where the game is heading and i'm going to do my best to argue how i see the trajectory of the game being very very different so if you're unfamiliar with the concept of free to play in destiny starting with Shadowkeep, bungie introduced the idea that portions of the game would be free to play with new light when destiny 2 beyond light launched they extended this to other portions of the game and they revamped the entire new light experience. The entire experience got completely revamped. Many in the community feel a significant portion of Bungie's focus for Beyond Light was actually spent on the new players in the free-to-play player experience with Shaw Han, the Cosmodrome, and that whole mission structure. They feel that 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 was sort of one of the reasons that Beyond Light didn't feel as full as it could have been because instead of building like a companion location, they, they worked on the Cosmodrome. Instead of working on mission structure, side missions, or something else, they worked on that new light mission structure. So it is fair, I think, to say that some of the bandwidth was split off there, and the hope would be that's not happening every single year, and that would help the expansions be a little bit bigger for the paying consumer. This has led some to speculate that following Lightfall, the entire pricing structure of Destiny will shift to a free-to-play model. So this year, uh, you know, we're in 2021, will be Witch Queen, and then next year's Lightfall. A lot of people think after Lightfall, it's just going to be seasons only. Every three months, you can do the 10 bucks if, if you want, and that's where they think that we are headed. So I want to talk about the pricing evolution of Destiny because this is where I sort of use my argumentation. This is like the foundation of my argument is the pricing evolution of Destiny, more specifically of Destiny 2. The entire concept of seasons was actually put into the game when Forsaken launched. You got to go back and kind of remember, this is not a new, new concept. It's been evolving over the years. Now, it was attached to an annual pass that required full purchase before any of the seasons launched and before any details had been outlined. You didn't have calendars, you didn't have any sort of speculation, you didn't have anything. You had names, and even those names got changed. Originally, Season of the Drifter was called Joker's Wild, and Season of Opulence was called Penumbra. They ditched those names. It was supposed to be sort of a, the season was beneath and the purchase was above like joker's wild was what you were purchasing and the season was running underneath truth of the truth of the matter is season of the outlaw was never specified but it was basically you know packed in it was part of forsaken it was baked into forsaken in a way where nothing was specified as like this activity or this loot is season of the outlaw but they said that that was sort of the season of forsaken and that didn't cost you know anything now when Shadowkeep launched it changed a little bit. Bungie shifted to a new a la carte model and it allowed players to play a season at a time. They could buy a season and not the others. They could wait and buy it after it launched. You didn't have to buy everything in advance without knowing anything. They also took the season of the undying 
and they packaged it in. It was a package deal with a Shadow Keep expansion, and it kind of felt like companion content, and it didn't cost you anything. It was $35 for Shadow Keep, and it just came with Season of the Undying, Vex Offensive, and the Vex Invasions, and that Vex Loot Pool. All of that was just sort of package deal inside of Shadow Keep for $35. So the evolution here has been one where they're getting you sort of accustomed to paying money on a regular basis, and that really has landed, I think, even more this year. A pricing change actually came with Beyond Light. For the first time in Destiny's history, if you wanted all of the new annual pass content, or sorry, I'm sorry, all of the annual content, it would be $50. If you wanted Beyond Light, and its season that came kind of attached to it, it was 50 Now, you could have bought Beyond Light for just the 40 but Season of the Hunt was priced individually alongside taking your, your annual update fee up from the $35 to $40 range up to 50 So your annual outgo has now increased if you want literally everything for the year. Last year, you could spend $60 and you got Shadowkeep and all of the attached seasons for the year. This year, that same package deal was 70 So the price went up by $10. Now, the trajectory, I feel, has slowly grown the community accustomed to the idea that it's almost a quasi-subscription fee. That's what I think has been going on. They've been sort of getting us accustomed to the idea that we are actually you know, paying some version of a subscription fee. You're essentially paying $70 a year Actually, it's 80. The package is 70, but if you buy them individual, it's 50 for Beyond Light with Season of the Hunt, and then it's 10, 10, 10. It's 80 for the entire year. That is essentially a subscription fee. Now, it's not required to access the game, but they've been sort of lulling us into that that idea that this is how you play Destiny. You're regularly paying money to keep things going. So let's talk about the many revenue streams of the game because this is where people kind of look to to say the Eververse and some other elements are why they're going to a completely free-to-play model and then the $10 seasons are are totally optional. Obviously, the annual purchasing consumers of the $40 to $50 expansion is as, as a significant amount of revenue for Bungie. That's a lot of money. I would say, you know, launch weeks of expansions, we usually see the daily player base numbers exceed 2 million. That means unique logins for the week and the total purchases are pretty high. It's not the same 2 million people every day. Unique logins for launch weeks probably in the 4 to 5 million range. And I would wager to say... A lot of those people bought the expansion. If you get a couple million people to buy a 40 or $50 expansion every year, that is a lot of money to suddenly no longer having coming into the game. Now, obviously, that's paying for development and paying for development of the of the next expansion. And if they aren't using that bandwidth, they might not need that money. They, they may be moving them to other projects. That certainly is possible. The line of thinking for those who think that the game is headed toward totally free-to-play is that Transmog plus the existing Eververse would supplant and replace the expansion purchases that the community currently makes on an annual basis. So if you're not buying an annual expansion, you're more likely to spend money in the Eververse. You're also more likely to take the shortcut and spend the silver for Transmog. You want to turn that armor into a universal ornament, you can do the in-game effort or you're going to be able to pay silver and people think that's going to be a new injection of revenue and that's going to help them lean away from the paid model that we're currently in. If you look at 
Fortnite, the free-to-play model with optional seasons, this is also pointed to as Bungie seems to be leaning toward this, right? It certainly could be looked at in this way with Beyond Light because the first time you had to buy the season separate. Season of the of the Outlaw was baked in and it wasn't specified. Season of Undying was specified, but it was included. And then for the first time ever, you had to buy the season separate from the expansion. That could point to the fact that eventually you're accustomed to every three months I'm spending 10, every three months I'm spending 10, with Lightfall being the final tentpole expansion for the $40 mark. And then they stopped doing it. Now, the reason that I don't think they're doing this is. I see a set pattern in how Destiny has existed over the years, okay? Given Bungie's pattern up to this point with expansions and the huge focus they put on announcing both Witch Queen and Lightfall, I am finding the trajectory and the rudder turn of the franchise to be on a set course that is already established. We already know that the CEO, Pete Parson, said that Bungie will be significantly evolved by 2025. He actually said Destiny will be significantly involved. It means that the 2020 launch date of Lightfall leaves three more years before that happens. So 2023 and 2024 and 2025, that's three years, all right? I see this being similar to the three-year pattern that we already have the game. It fits the pattern. Destiny 1, then Taken King, then Rise of Iron. Destiny 2 Vanilla, then Forsaken, then Shadowkeep. Beyond Light, then Witch Queen, then Lightfall. They work in these three-year patterns, and after Lightfall, there is room before 2025 for another three-year pattern to hit. I actually feel they almost relaunch the game every three years. That's essentially what they did with Destiny 2. And that's kind of what they did with Shadow, uh, not with Shadowkeep, I'm sorry, with Beyond Light. Beyond Light was sort of a relaunch of the game. They take stuff out, they put some new stuff in, new subclasses. It's kind of got that feel of we're now embarking on a new three year trajectory. I think something similar will happen after Lightfall. Now, that could mean that when Pete Parson says the game significantly evolved, that they're going to the free-to-play model. I happen to think they have been getting us too accustomed to a set amount of money every year going out to continue to play the game. That trajectory, I think, is going to continue post-Lightfall. I could be wrong, but I don't think they're going to turn their back on that much revenue all the way to 2025, three years, basically, of free-to-play. To me, if Pete Parsons and Bungie want to be a multi-title franchise by 2025, their matter title will be out and Destiny will be still being maintained and evolved. I don't see that evolution being a free-to-play model. That feels like a devolution. So, we are going to transition to question and answer. So, if you're in the live audience, don't go anywhere. If you're listening to the other locations or you're on my other YouTube channel, click the card up in the corner and come join the live stream. And as always, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the Q&A session that followed my talk about Is Destiny Becoming Totally Free to Play? If you're listening to this on any of the other platforms, you can always go to sntrlive.com. That will bring you to my YouTube channel where we do the live streams. And if you want to submit questions to these, you do need to be a paid member. So you can click the join button on this channel or you can use our community Q&A. It's over on sntrnetwork.com. We have new features and package deals coming there uh, very, very soon. So first question coming in from Barrett. Destiny going full free to play seems like it would anger players at this point. Much of the community seems to be blaming free to play for the issues with premium content being subpar. Should they instead go towards free to try aspect while focusing less on free to play players? 
this is obviously getting into sort of the subjective opinion, you know, arena. I tried to argue about what I thought was, you know, I I was trying to argue like what I felt they were doing from a business perspective. I feel there's a trajectory, there's a pattern, there's something that they've done on like a three-year content rhythm, and that's essentially what I was arguing for. That's what I think they're doing. So, um, as far as the opinion of should they or shouldn't they, or is this how they should do it? I mean, I'm definitely of the opinion that they could go a a much cleaner route. You know, um, the it needs to be like you can go here you can sample this you can do this and that's the end of the matter like that's ultimately i think where where we want it to land it, it right now as i've said very many times like the value transmission's really really muddy and it's always moving it's always moving they're always adding new things to free to play they're trickling things down into it and it's like why are you doing that now the only reason if I'm thinking like a business from the business perspective, if I'm taking off my opinion cap and I'm going back over to the side of like, what might they be doing from a business perspective? There is the possibility that there is really, really good money and keeping those free to play players happy. Okay. So suddenly expanding where they can go and what they can do. And you know, let's say when witch queen drops, they make the deep stone crypt free. People can, people can go in there and take a crack at it or whatever. Now, they may be doing that because when they do that, they actually see a measurable revenue return on that. People either buy stuff from the Eververse, people maybe are more likely to buy the next season pass. Like, I, I don't actually know. Always expanding what is free to play instead of, as you have said, it being more like free to try. You can come in, you can play. There's these sort of like fenced off areas you can go to get a feel for the game. Wouldn't that, you know, in my mind, wouldn't that lead to more purchases? You know, you you have like a you have like a you know a, a set amount of places you can go. Right? You do a couple things. You you get it. You get a couple drops. You're kind of looking in the menus, and you're like, oh man, this is dope, right? This is this is a this is a, this is a good environment. This is a good graphics. The guns feel really really good. And then those people are more likely, I would think, to roll over and and do uh, like make a purchase, right? I would say from a business perspective, Bungie's got to be looking at those numbers. How many free-to-play players are converting and buying Eververse? How many free-to-play players are converting and buying expansions and seasons? And then they'd have to compare that to, you know, how many of them would would potentially, and this would be complete speculation, how many of them would convert into expansion and season pass purchasers when you do a free-to-try sort of thing? Now that they've established the new light thing with Shaw Hand and the Cosmodrome and the mission and the tutorial and sort of the, the, the introduction to the game, I don't necessarily think they need to expand on that. It just needs to be like, no, that's where you can go. That's what you can get to experience. And then you can go into Strikes and Crucible for free. But anytime they any anytime they add more, you know, to the game, those loot those loot pools and things like that, those things should I think should probably be put into, 
you know, a paid structure. Hey, you're welcome to go into Strikes and Crucible, but we've got new loot we've added. We've got these new structures and seasonal levels and things with Zavala, Shax, and the Drifter, and it should look the same way the Season Pass does. You're leveling up Zavala and Shax, and you're not getting any of the benefits. You're leveling up your Season Pass, and you're not getting any of the cool rewards that are on that bottom on that bottom tier, on the paid tier. What what I think that does is it. It's not necessarily free to try like a demo where like you get to the boss and it's like a screen pops up and it's like, if you would like to buy the full game, you know, press X. Do you remember those demos on Xbox? Like you'd get to the boss and you're like, this game is so awesome. And like the boss would land and you're like, yeah. And then bloop, it'd be like, your demo is over. I don't necessarily think we need to be that stringent with it. Like it's free to try. You get so many minutes or you get so much time and that's all you get. I don't actually think that that is a, you know, that that's the way to do this. I think allowing them to continue to play matchmaking strikes and crucible is totally fine. You just want to constantly make it clear to them that if you're not purchasing the expansion, if you're not purchasing the season, there's all these extra things that you're not getting access to. That's the route I think that Bungie should take. This is one of the reasons that I think going completely free to play in in my estimation I feel like that would be a really, really odd decision. I feel like going to 100% free-to-play is you know, potentially going to make them a significant amount of less money, and then they'd have to be confident, they'd have to be super, super confident that the people suddenly getting everything for free would be paying money to the Eververse and, and, and suddenly converting into, you know, Eververse whales or, you know... To me, as I outlined in my talk, it's like there's a pattern here. Every three years, they sort of reset the game. You know, they reset the game with Destiny 2, and then they reset the game with Beyond Light, and then they, they're going to reset the game after Lightfall. Um, you know, that when, when I analyze the pattern, I feel like they're getting us more accustomed to spending a set amount of money every you know every so many months every year and then that keeps you paying you're paying what amounts to a quasi um you know a a, a quasi subscription fee and if you're if if you're more accustomed to that why would they suddenly lower the cost it got more expensive this year it just seems weird that they would go backwards from that um so uh dark seraphim is a capped entry point a more realistic way to shift the game? Instead of fully free to play, allow players to go into the low light level activities in the Cosmodrome. They'll get a feel for the main content loop. If they enjoy it, they can buy an expansion. This is, I mean, this is essentially um, an iteration of the first question. The idea of like allow them this this sort of uh, this playground, and they can't go beyond it, but they at least get the experience. It, we were talking about this a little bit ago before Q&A and I said that you know I play a game like Ghost of Tsushima and within 20 minutes I know I love the game I do I'm like I love it I know I love it you know um, I hate following missions like I hate stealthy missions where you have to follow somebody like I griped about that yesterday but thankfully they let me just like start right over where I had gotten um, I, I, I hate that but but I knew within 20 minutes the main content loop the delivery of story the combat I was like I like this the same thing happened with Spider-Man and God of War and Horizon Zero Dawn there are some games where my thumbs on the sticks I do a couple things and I'm like I'm in okay I would think Destiny has a very similar effect on most people. 
after about an hour of seeing loot drop, equipping loot, and and getting in some gunfights and killing some enemies and bosses, you're going to know pretty quickly whether or not this is a game that you like. You know, do you do you envision yourself dumping lots of hours into this game? And that's why I think you can very very early on hit people with that by the season pass, by the expansion. Now again, you know, their own research their own research could be pointing in a completely opposite direction. They could be like, no, actually people don't respond well to that. It's better to be, you know, super generous. And then those players justify buying microtransactions because those players feel like, well, I didn't actually spend any money. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do microtransactions. Um, so, you know, it, 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 at the, at the end of it, it's, there's two questions that we don't know the answer to. We don't know where Bungie plans to take the game with respect to the pricing structure, and we don't know their own research as far as like what do people generally respond well to. Do people respond better to a sampling that then ask them to purchase, or do people respond better to what they feel like is a very generous helping of free-to-play stuff, and then they buy Eververse you know, as a response? I happen to think that if you are actually creating new fans of the franchise you know if there's a certain number of players in a given day week or month that are becoming new fans of the franchise to me they they're more than likely going to want to be willing to pay for more stuff more activities I can't see somebody kind of getting hooked by the free-to-play aspect of the game, getting those kills and getting that experience, and not being like, oh, I want I want more, you know? If you let me try out Spider-Man or any of the other games I listed, you know, Ghost of Tsushima, you let me try it out for an hour, yeah, I'm going to buy the full game. Like, oh, this is awesome. Give me the full game. I, I do think most gamers are wired that way, but to a certain extent, they've kind of given away the farm. Um, they've kind of given away the farm. They've they've given away so so much under the free to play banner. You know, Destiny 2 New Light free to play content is a is a pretty big helping. You know, it was probably even bigger before Beyond Light hit because there were you know there were there was more planets and more you know lower level stuff. Um, you know, your casual audience follows your serious audience. Your serious audience is the lifeblood of the game. When you cater to casuals, your game dies. Well, and I don't actually think they've been catering to casuals. We had a big debate about that yesterday. I, 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 I think that you know there are there are plenty of people that continue to play this game, and and there there is hardcore stuff for them uh, to chase and do. The entire game cannot be hardcore. Um, you, you can't make even the most mundane or most, you know, you can't make the most basic content ridiculously hard and, and challenging and, and, and hardcore. That doesn't work, you know, but you but when you've got the, you know, Grandmaster Nightfalls and the upper echelon difficulties of Empire Hunts for high stat armor and the legendary lost sectors and the completely new loot structure for the Deepstone Crypt, none of those things cater to casuals. They cater to committed players, you know. They're, they're not, they're not, you know, you know, catering to the to the lower half um i know that's not what you're saying but if people are arguing that they are catering to casuals or they're wanting them to cater to casuals yeah i don't i don't think you can do that um i feel the fact that they try to cater to anyone is a bad move i mean you have to choose you have to choose 
an audience and they kind of have two audiences so they don't necessarily have a choice they have people that grind nightfalls and run raids and run the toughest stuff and go for t- and go for challenges and go for triumphs right there is a there is a good sized portion of the destiny community that does that there is also a good sized portion of the destiny community that never leaves the public space in the strike playlist they just happen to grind bounties and get the pretty shiny things they don't care about any of that other stuff both of those are significant pockets in the community. You have to feed them both, I think. If you feed one side, you know, the game becomes pretty dissonant and 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 runs the risk of 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 dying. I mean, Destiny 2 Vanilla, they they really really did. It was odd. It was like they they eroded everything that kept hardcore players, you know, grinding and they made everything basically for the people who wanted the gun to be a gun to be a gun so like if you get the better devils you're done you don't have to worry about that gun anymore you don't have to try to chase a god roll it felt pretty casual which is weird because the stripped down gun based combat and the map design of the crucible actually felt like kind of sweaty kind of hardcore they wanted it to be competitive and it didn't go over very well um so I actually think long term they have done I believe a pretty good job at satisfying both both edges of the spectrum I just think that's one of the things that's always been a challenge with Destiny is that there are two extremes in the community there are people that will go crazy and grind and put in a ridiculous amount of hours trying to get an Imago loop and then there's people that literally just want to run around the public space um, and because of that it's like what are you supposed to do both players are buying both players are, are, are paying um, you know, what do you do? What do you do with all those players at the bottom rung? Um, if, if you're, if you're always feeding the top, they feel like they're not getting anything and vice versa. You're always facing that dilemma of when you feed one, the other claims they didn't get fed enough. You know, hardcores have been saying hardcores all throughout year three tried to argue with me that the game was being catered to casuals. And I always shot that down so, so hard. I was like, no, no. You got two dungeons, a raid, Grandmaster Nightfalls. You know, you got you got grinds for weapons that were not quick. You know, I, I just, I never, ever agreed with that sentimentality about year three. There were plenty of things added to the game that casuals never, never set foot in. Um, and, you know, casuals tend to do the same thing sometimes. They're like, man, everything's just catered to the hardcore. You know, all these, you know, updates and trials and, Nightfalls and Grandmasters, you know, everything is super hardcore. I, I think both sides tend to do it. I mean, even now, you have a, a great updated loot system for the raid. You have the legendary lost sectors. You have difficulty spectrum on the Empire Hunt, so you can go for high stat armor. None of those things land on a casual sentimentality. Those are all lanes for more hardcore, more committed players to lean into. All of those things were 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 fan service for hardcore players. I. They didn't have to create an entire loot system and currency system for the raid. They did that for the more committed players. You know, they, 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 they that's not for casuals, you know. I, there's, there's always going to be that sense of like, we're not getting enough, quit catering to that side. But I think usually when I zoom out, I'm like, I always feel like both sides are getting fed pretty well, personally. There's been highs and lows, right? Season of the Worthy and Drifter are low points, and then there's high points. There's Season of Opulence. There is, you know, Forsaken. There is, you know, there's moments where they did, you know, they they did a they did a really stellar job. 
Joseph Young. Would the free to pay black would the free to pay black black I can't talk. Would the free to pay I can't do it. Would the free to play backlash you did that on purpose. Free to pay backlash of I paid for all six years of the game. Why would you make it all free? Would that be valid or a similar complaint that people use when vanilla two uh, D two becomes free? I mean you're always going to have these people that sort of try to argue about how like you can't make it free I paid for it I just want to ask them okay Bungie can't do that because you paid for it let me ask you something where's Mars and Mercury where'd they go right what happened to them you have no claim on this game you don't you don't have any claim on this game so you know anybody like wanting to pitch a fit about how like well I paid for it that stuff should never be free it's like Again, let me ask you something. Where is Mars and Mercury? Did you put those in your pocket? Are they on a bookshelf somewhere in your house for you to take out and look at and gaze upon because it's yours? No, it was never yours to begin with. So, you know, I there the fact that you paid for, you know, Destiny 2 vanilla and it came with Leviathan and now Leviathan is gone, that's fine. You have no say in the matter. It's not yours. You know, the, the, yeah, the user, the user agreement, it's like you're paying for access. You're not paying, you don't own the content in a transactional way. You don't own, right now, you do not own the Deepstone Crypt Raid. You don't. You don't. You paid for access. And in two years, three years, if that raid is suddenly vaulted, you can't be like, now wait just a minute. I paid $40 back in November of 2020, and you can't take that away from me. You are not playing those types of games anymore. You know? Yo, what's good, Puerto Weekend? Yeah, yeah, dude, I cut the hair. I cut the hair. You're not playing that type of game where, like, you own it for forever and can keep it and carry it and take it with you. You know? As long as I have a working console, there are plenty of games that I have bought that I can play for forever because they're single player, they're offline, and I bought the game. I own it. I put it in. I have I have DVDs. As long as I have a working DVD player, I always have access to and can watch any of the DVDs I own, right? We got like uh, Lord of the Rings on Blu-ray, okay? So as long as I have a Blu-ray player, that's mine for all time. Now... If I lose those discs um, or my Blu-ray player breaks, I can't be like, well, I bought that forever ago, so I should have access to it now uh, digitally. No, that's not what I paid for. I, I paid for an actual transaction of a physical item that has become devalued by the fact that like it's harder and harder to find a player. Like, I'm not saying that's going to be a thing. I'm just giving an example. Um, so... You know, I, I, I don't have a claim on these games that are online. I, I paid for access and, you know, if there's an offline mode, you're good. But these games that run online, it's like if the servers go down, you're not playing, you know. <clears throat> Benson, for me, I don't think Destiny will ever be free to play. Uh, well, completely free to play. They are more likely, in my eyes, to go to a subscription model, uh, given that their player base is consistent uh, one million a day. What kind of content delivery system do you think would exist in this scenario? There are probably, I think, four really, really big reasons why they will never go subscription model. Okay, Damocles with a $10 tip through Super Chat. 
Contest modifier already exists. Bungie has a developmental pipeline problem. Just turn it on and throw a sparrow or ghost behind it. Instant steam uh, spikes. Why not? Yeah, I mean, you know, that, but that doesn't have a lot of legs. Cosmetics are one and done. That doesn't have a lot of legs. That's a, that's a, that's a bottle rocket of value. Whenever you get, if you've ever bought in fireworks and you buy a bottle rocket, a bottle rocket's like, it goes up. And then that's it. That's all it is. That's a bottle rocket of value. It'd be like, whoop, hey, everybody. And then like a week later, no one would care. And if they did like really, really low drop rates on them, nobody would care. They would just give up. They'd be like, I don't care. I'm not going to run the raid with contest on for a cosmetic, right? I I, I don't I don't think so. Um, so it, 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 that's, that's too momentary. I, I want there to be true long-lasting value. A, se- a separate, um, I can't not see a reason not to do it. I can. I think that's a, I think you're just kicking the can down the road. I want them to create actual value in raids with depth and a, and a hard mode and and better and newer loot, like a separate loot pool like they did in Vogue, like in challenges and you know, that, that just feels like a kicked can. It's like we want actual depth added to the game, not we'll throw contest on and yank some stuff from the Eververse. Like I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm saying it's a half measure, and I'm tired of half measures. You know what I mean? Um, now, the four reasons that I'm going to give Benson why we'll never go subscription model. First and foremost, the, the too much of this player base is on console, and after seven or eight years, would not switch over to subscription model. Okay, so the the actual player base. I believe would fundamentally reject it. I know you're like, oh, there's a million players a day. If they didn't have a choice, they would pay. I don't know. Okay. I, I can't see them doing that. That's the first reason. The second reason is the game itself. Okay. The, the game is built in such a way that they can't create enough content to justify a subscription fee. All right. The third reason the, the, the net, the networking infrastructure of the game is too outdated to justify a subscription fee. We don't have dedicated servers. We like you're going to you're going to charge me a subscription fee for a peer-to-peer game in 2021? Are you freaking kidding me? Like no, I can't see that happening. And the fourth reason that it wouldn't work is they already have established a revenue structure and it would be completely at odds with that revenue structure and for all intents and purposes they kind of are getting a uh, they are kind of getting a subscription fee out of us you know they're getting a subscription fee out of us so it, it's at the, at the at the end of the day there are too many barriers standing between them turning on a subscription fee or not I think the three biggest reasons are the first three I gave. Player base would reject it. The game is the game is too archaic to build enough content quick enough to justify the subscription fee, and the netcode's too archaic to do it because they can't do dedicated servers. Now, if they could update this engine to allow them to create a whole lot more content, bigger spaces, more spaces, more depth, more content, they don't even have enough people on the reward team. They did 30 weapons in an expansion. 30. That's it. Right? So you're 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 basically barely limping bandwidth wise. You're barely limping to get things launched, and you you don't have dedicated servers. So efficiency of development time isn't good enough. The lack of dedicated servers, you can't do it. You can't you can't charge people a subscription fee for for what we're getting. Um, 
and fundamentally the largest portion of this player base lives on console and I think console players would reject a subscription fee almost entirely they'd be like I'm not doing that are you freaking kidding me no way am I doing that so it it's not that it's a bad idea it doesn't square with where destiny is technologically or even communally I just don't think it lines up and even the ESO subscription is completely uh, optional for Elder, Elder Scrolls Online. Elder Scrolls Online subscription fee is is completely optional. You don't have to do it. You can buy the DLCs a la carte and completely ignore the subscriptions. The subscription fee is primarily for the cosmetics, the crowns, uh, and yes, it includes the DLCs, but you do not have to pay a subscription fee to continue playing ESO. There is no subscription access fee for ESO. Elder Scrolls Online is one of the more brilliant models that's come up in recent years. It's essentially a a monthly fee, so you can keep getting crowns and dope cosmetics and mounts and stuff, and when you're on the subscription fee, I'm fairly certain they include those expansions when they land, like Morrowind and Elsewhere and all those others. Um, so, it was 15 month originally, yeah. You get craft bag, yeah, like resources and stuff, yeah. You can literally play ESO, you can buy it, buy the expansions and DLCs, and never pay a dime on the sub fee, and continue to play. They actually have, I think they've, they have straddled that, that, that fence very, very well. They have their foot on each side of the fence. They've got their foot in the non-subscription world as well, uh, in the subscription world. It was originally a subscription game? No, it wasn't. I played it when it came out. That is completely untrue. I literally played ESO when it came out and streamed it on the other platform like five or six years ago. It did not launch as a subscription game. That is not true. If it launched as a subscription game, it was super short-lived. I bought that game when it came out and it was not subscription. I I promise you. They must have quickly abandoned it because when I originally bought it, there was no subscription. I bought it and played it and I, I swear to you, it was a newer game at the time. When did it come out? When did it launch? That would have been 2014. In 2014, I was playing that game in the summer, and I just bought it and played it. There was no subscription fee. It did a launch as a sub-game. You got like three months free when you bought it. The sub came later. The the timeline there is fuzzy, because I'm telling you what, I didn't pay a subscription fee back then. I know, I know that I didn't. Um, I don't know. It wasn't if you had to have a sub-fee to the platform. The subs in ESO include storage space. If Destiny implemented subs for vault space, I can hear the player revolt right now. Yeah. It was a sub game, bro. When did it launch? What was its original launch date? ESO's original launch date. ESO original launch date. April of 2014. So I was playing it in the summer of 2014 and there was no subscription fee. I just bought the game, downloaded it, and installed it. Um, So maybe between April and the summer, you know what I mean? Maybe they got rid of the sub fee within like the first first quarter of its launch or something. Um, I don't know. ESO was sub-based. I still have the receipts. I was playing in the summer. How quickly did they abandon the sub thing? Because that was in... um, it would have been in June. It would have been in June or July of 2014 when I was playing and streaming it. So I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe they were doing something that, that that like you literally bought it. 
it failed hard so they made it free okay you got three months free so even if there was a sub at the time I wouldn't have known it because they didn't charge me I bought the game and had three months where I didn't have to pay anything that's man that's crazy that they tried and failed and then they baked it back in in the crown store uh, Bumble with the next question isn't there a pattern for experimenting with free to play they made it free for a limited period on Battle.net, then they introduced seasons then free to play model and now game pass wait uh, you know you are adding decent ammunition for somebody on creature's side of the fence the idea that there has been a growing presence of free to play which means slowly that'll be that'll be it you know what i mean um found an article they they lost a subscription on march on pc and june on ps4 and xbox in 2015 I'm pretty sure I was streaming in 2014 and maybe I just got the three months free and had no idea. Um, So, um, you know, this actually adds credence to the, to the idea that like there has been a growing presence of free to play, right? They did like the limited time demo thing. Then they did it with, then they did it with like the seasons. Um, well, no, they didn't do free to play with the seasons. They introduced free to play with Shadow Keep, and then they completely revamped it and cleaned up the experience in um, in uh, Beyond Light. So it's 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 possible. It's possible that that is good grounds to say, hey, that's the trajectory of the game. We're, we're heading to free to play. You know, there there there's there's. I think I actually think there's good argumentation there. There's good logic. I see it a completely different way. I see them continuing to add the, to the to the annual outgo. We're spending more this year than we ever have to continue to play Destiny, and we've grown accustomed to what is a quasi-subscription fee. I don't see them turning their back on that revenue stream. I don't. I don't see them turning their back on that revenue stream and then making it up in the Eververser with Transmog. You know? I, it, I, I, don't, I don't think that that works. I see the pattern completely differently. I think they want to go free to play. They're trying to find the right formula. Yeah, I don't know. You also have to consider the position Bungie was in. They broke with Activision. True. I don't know. I see them replacing it, not turning their back on it. Okay. Think of it this way, right? Let's say your business is making a million dollars a year and you add new revenue streams and you start making two million dollars a year. That doesn't suddenly mean you can cut off all of the things that got you the first million. Well, I'm making twice as much. So the first million's been replaced, right? No, you'd be like, this is great. I'm making two million dollars a year. You wouldn't suddenly say, we've replaced that revenue. You'd be like, no, that's just more revenue. <laughs> like, that's more revenue. If they start making insane bank on Transmog and Eververse, that's not a reason to stop doing expansions. That's to be like, that's more money, dude. You know, more money, more problems. So who knows? Like, you know, it might cause more issues. But now, now I could hear a creature pushing back and saying, no, 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 no. The reason they're doing that is because long term, they're going to shave off bandwidth, not build expansions and those Eververse and Transmog revenue streams are designed to supplant the 
annual expansion purchase and once they shave off that bandwidth those people can do other things and the game can coast on seasons and they're making the same amount of money right I just made his argument for him so if that's their plan if their plan is look eventually these teams can't do this eventually we can't do an annual expansion we need to find a way to replace that revenue So it's not like they're like, hey, we're making so much money we can stop doing expansions. It's an internal business logistical structure change where we want to make the same amount of money and we can and we can get there if we set up the Eververse and Transmog properly because this 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 the train tracks. The train tracks for the expansions. We're going to run out of train track. We're going to get to a point where we can't do that anymore. You know? Who made more money, Bungie or Fortnite? Bungie skins will be transmog. Right. The idea of like paying for dress up. You know what I mean? Um so if 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 that's if that's where if that's where they're headed, then I understand the logic and the reason. They're not necessarily turning their back on revenue. They're saying we need to replace the revenue because long term, our business structure, we can't do the expansions anymore. Like, they're looking at, let's say there's a team of, um, let's just say 300 people. Let's say there's a team of 300 people that are dedicated to always really ham- They never touch a season, they never touch a raid, they make sure expansions are ready to go every single year. 300 people. Now, Bungie may look at those 300 people and say, okay, when- when Lightfall lands, we want those 300 people to transition to Project, you know, X. And Project X is really important. We really need them on Project X. Maybe that's matter. Maybe it's something else. Who the frick knows? So internally, Bungie knows those 300 people are no longer going to be able to slam out an annual expansion. How are we going to make that money? What are we going to do? How are we going to make it back? Well... Transmog, Eververse, smart, you know, smart structures with monetization with the seasons, getting more of those free-to-play players to tip over and spend the $10, that's how they make the money back. So their their revenue stabilizes even though they're not doing expansions. I, I 100% can see that angle on where they're headed. The main reason I don't think they're going to do it is there's too many other things at play here. Pete Parsons saying the game will be significantly evolved. That doesn't feel like an evolution at all. That feels like a devolution downshift into an arcadish, you know, you know, Fortnite-ish mobile game. That doesn't feel like Destiny evolving. That feels like a devolution. Also, they, you know, they increased they increased the price of our annual outgo this year. They're turning the rudder and the trajectory, getting us accustomed to spending around seventy to eighty dollars a year to continue playing Destiny. To all of a sudden drop the bottom out and be like, well, it used to cost you around $80 a year to play Destiny, and now it's going to cost you $40. You know, now again, maybe that's part of the plan. If suddenly you're spending $40 a year instead of $80 a year, you're more more likely to transmog some silver or buy something from the Eververse because you're like, well, I'm, I'm saving that money now. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts here. I just feel the rudder and the trajectory is pointing in a completely different direction. The three-year pattern is there. After Lightfall, you got 
2023, 24, and 25. That's three years. That's three more expansions. The pattern is set. They announced Beyond Light, Witch Queen, and Lightfall at the same time and said that's leading to a moment. I don't think the big crescendo of Destiny and Lightfall is to be like, surprise, we're going to coast on seasons now. That doesn't, that, that feels really, really odd. I don't know. Maybe that's their, maybe that's their goal though is that's the round out of the story they feel they finally got to tell the story of destiny that they wanted to say and then after that they just they just season it up recycle use the dcv to move the chess pieces around so periodically things like blindwell and escalation protocol are coming in and out of the game with new and updated loot pools and they're charging you 10 bucks a month for the updated stuff I believe Destiny continues after Lightfall based on Pete Parsons' commentary that by 2025, Destiny will be significantly evolved and being maintained. I just, I don't know what that evolution looks like. You know, creatures like, it's evolved to them, right? That is an evolution. You're injecting your view onto theirs. Their view is it's a huge deal to be free to play. Look at how they announced it uh, in its limited form, like it was the best thing since sliced bread. Well, you're doing the same thing, though. You're interjecting your view onto theirs. You're, you're saying that their view of evolution is free to play. I'm, I'm viewing it the other way. We're both doing the same thing. We're, we're, we're taking our schema and prediction and laying it over top of their wording and viewing the wording through that schema. I'm seeing Pete Parsons saying Destiny 2 will be significantly evolved by 2025 and saying that's not, that's not free to play, right? You're seeing it the other way. We're both laying our predictions over top of those words. He could mean, he could mean dedicated servers, MMO, big, huge open world subscription fee. I mean, come on. I mean, they, they, you, you could, you could really twist that in, in uh, eight different ways. So I think the pattern is set and the revenue structure is set. And the only reason, the only reason they would jettison and no longer do the tentpole expansions the reason they would move away from that is if internally they've moved those people away from that that would be that would be I think where they would uh, where they would where they would be going that'd be the only justification for it you know that'd be the only justification for it if fog releases is free to play then this could be more proof that they're going fully free to play um no no, it would set a standard for the DCV more than anything. I definitely think a free-to-play arguer could take that and put that into their into their argumentation, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. That's a little bit of a non-sequitur. Like, it doesn't necessarily follow that Vogue's free-to-play. Well, that's just more proof that the game's going free-to-play. It literally could just be their standard and philosophy behind the DCV. That if something's going to come out of the DCV, we're not going to charge for it. You know? I, I don't think that's an appropriate precedent, but there could be, you could make a good argument that that should be the precedent. I don't think that should be the precedent, but you could make a really good argument. If you're pulling something out of the vault, we're not going to charge you for it, right? Are you suggesting that everything that came out of the DCV would be free? I think if they make Vogue free, that that is the precedent that they are setting, yes. If Vogue is free to play, and it's accessible to everybody, then they're going to be setting a precedent that free-to-play means uh, I'm sorry uh, things coming out of the Destiny content vault are free and then I know what Creature's going to say next well eventually after Lightfall that's all they're going to be doing they're going to be pulling stuff out of the vault they're not going to be doing new places new spaces, new planets it's going to be basically a jukebox of greatest hits 
and then they're just going to keep rotating those things in and they'll be 100% free and you'll pay season pass for the cherries on top the new spicy armor the new this the new that exotics ornaments blah 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 right that's where people see see the game going is you basically by lightfall and the end of that year right lightfall will have seasons after it by the end of that year they're basically going to have this big giant dcv vault they can just drop things into the game like a set piece and not charge you money for it right that's where people see the game going no more tentpole dcvs we have more than enough planets to yank out of the dcv and make free and go to a seasonal model I'm telling you, it's a convincing argument. I'm not saying it's not a convincing argument. It's a convincing argument that by the time we get on the other side of Lightfall, you're going to have Europa, a new destination for Witch Queen, a new destination for Lightfall, and then you have all of the planets from D2, Vanilla, all of the DLC planets, all of the planets from D1, all those raids that can be just brought in and out of the game like set pieces and, and, and renewed and juiced up and given new stuff. And then you charge a $10 season pass and you're like, yeah, everything else is free, right? I can see them tying VOG to a season. One of the biggest complaints from last year was we only had one raid to play. Dropping an old raid with a season will give more content and reason to buy. I'm of the opinion that they should be charging money for those things. It's new content. It's been updated. It's new loot. It should not be free. That's my argument. Prophecy Dungeon was free and it shouldn't have been. We shouldn't have gotten reskin guns either. Prophecy Dungeon should have had its own loot pool of guns, not reskinned Ikelos weapons with random rolls. That I didn't agree with that. I thought that was a disrespect of how cool that dungeon was. You can't tie endgame to seasons, not under their current structure. Well, maybe they require Beyond Light then, right? They would require Beyond Light. And then Beyond Light gets discounted as the year goes on, usually. So... I'm telling you, I I find the argument convincing. I think there are there are snags there are there are snags in the in the in the in the plan. They've done things and said things that don't paint that picture for me. It's like I don't know. They they making us pay more money this year and 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 the rhythm and having an annual, you know, income from everybody and we're kind of accustomed to this quasi subscription fee, that doesn't seem like where we're headed. But again, it's a very convincing argument, you know. Um $10 from Damocles says football teams fire admin staff after a bad few seasons. When is it the leadership's fault? Content creation and cadence isn't a problem for other studios. Why has it always been so and slow and hard for Bungie? Well, I mean, there's there's a handful of reasons why it's been tough for Bungie. They built on old architecture. They didn't do dedicated servers. They originally were building on essentially, you know, a good platform for a linear game like Halo, and then they detonated that idea when Joseph Stoughton's Supercut was rejected in 2013. So, when they conceived of building this game and started putting the frameworks together, likely, I don't know, 2009 and 2010, you know, over a decade ago, they couldn't envision the future and where we are now. I have always said this. The demand of the consumer right now, the game experience the consumer wants, has not been delivered for one simple reason. The technology to develop super agile, big, amazing, dynamic games, that technology doesn't exist yet. It doesn't. 
there is not an engine and an infrastructure of servers and backend updates and and world building and experience building and updating and tweaking and patching that technology doesn't exist yet I think in 20 years, there will be new technology, hopefully developed, that allows games to develop like this, these big, expansive, you know, over-evolving, you know, expanding worlds. There's not the technology right now that exists to satiate what people truly want. Games like WoW are stripped down graphically and super grindy to keep you going, right? There, it's not. You're not actually playing WoW and having this this insane, dynamic combat experience like you get in a game like Destiny, right? It doesn't. It doesn't exist. I'm telling you. Ooh, a little mini coke. I'm telling you right now. The technology doesn't exist yet that enables developers to do what what so many of us are asking for. They don't. The technology doesn't exist yet. The engines and the development tools don't exist yet. That's the main hang-up. It really, truly is. Like, no one's done it yet. Anthem, no. Division, no. Diablo's close, but Diablo's in a, in a, in a different environment. They're doing like they're doing like set-piece dungeon crawl. You know, randomized you know riffs in a dungeon crawler. We're talking about worlds. We're talking about 3D environments, big, huge worlds you can go and explore and have experiences and get loot and kill bosses and fight enemies. So, I, 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 I just think we're, I think we're in this, we're in this weird hovering pattern of the, the evolution of gaming. Okay, the evolution of gaming was this insane, upward, crazy slope. And now we've plateaued. They can only make games look so realistic. They can only make, you know, the pores on Kratos' face and his beard look so realistic. Like, you're only, only, only ever going to get that close to realism. Like, right? You're only so going to be able to create, you know, worlds and, and weather systems and all these things. There, We've plateaued a little bit. If, if you grew up like I did, and you grew up with Atari, Coleco... And then Nintendo to now, the first Nintendo Entertainment System to now. It's insane how fast and how quick game and the experience has changed. So what happened was you would play a new game and part of the appeal and the love and the, oh my gosh, part of that, part of that was the fact that it was doing something that had never been done before. But once you've played your ninth Call of Duty, once you've played your seventh Gears of War, you're like, I have been here, done that. I have seen this before. Gaming experiences and worlds and, and, and what they can give you now, it's plateaued a little bit. You know, it's plateaued. You, you buy a shooter or an action-adventure game now, and sure, I love playing on my PS5. Ghost of Tsushima on my PS5 is a work of art, right? But you compare it to Witcher 3, and it's like, well, you know, sure. Fluidity of graphics and frame rate, all of that looks immaculate on the PS5, but the core the core gameplay experience and the depth and the length that I'm getting, they're not far apart from each other. There's not some chasm of difference between Witcher 3 and Ghost of Tsushima with respect to satisfying combat, great dialogue, cool stories, cool characters. You see what I'm saying? 
there's a bit of a we're, we're in this sort of lull we're in this sort of plateau where we keep expecting the next game to really deliver it look at cyberpunk as a perfect example that they didn't break through the ceiling of video game experience and blow your mind they didn't do it and i i'm gonna tell you right now beyond good and evil won't either it ain't gonna do it either it's gonna be in that plateau that we're in like a plateau almost valley where we keep thinking the next game to come out is going to be almost otherworldly almost supernatural almost spiritual and it's not games are are increasing graphical fidelity ray tracing lighting shading etc but the 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 fundamental experience in games it, it it it's not evolving at the pace that it used to all right it's not evolving at the pace that it used to so whenever you buy a new game and you hit that and you get in that low plateau valley and you sense very very clearly that games aren't changing at the rate that they used to change you start to feel like i don't understand like this was supposed to be almost like a messianic video game it was supposed to usher in a new era and it isn't happening it just isn't and i believe i'm telling you right now one of the reasons that this is happening is because the technology doesn't exist yet to deliver a game at that scope and size and agility you know what i mean the fundamental experience in games is still the classic hero's journey yeah it just i don't know it's uh it's i'm not trying to dash your hopes and dreams i'm just trying to let you know when you accept that like i know right now i know when i buy when i buy the next god of war i know i'm buying another god of war i know i'm not going to i'm not going to play that game and be ushered into some upper echelon of enlightenment like oh my gosh this game was so no i'm buying another god of war it'll look prettier it'll run smoother but it's another god of war right that's that uh immortals phoenix rising was such a fresh surprise but what happened i got to the fifth area and and the routine hit i knew what to expect and i was enjoying myself clearing out the uh the vaults and solving the puzzles and going back to areas when i have new abilities and the combat all of that like you know people said that about assassin's creed valhalla they were like it's just it's it's literally assassin's creed puke on a map it's like here's new area assassin's creed puke here's like the same eight eight types of missions that you've already done it just playing fallen order last night slow moving red flower might be my favorite enemy of all time so strange and creepy yeah some of the fights are really fun assassin's creed's another one recent ones are great but they're just another assassin's creed that's exactly right right did you see a youtube video of nine players zoning into the same strike it looked like there's a path forward towards instant large beyond three or six players i mean maybe that's not the first time that's happened weren't there like times where 15 folks were getting into leviathan somehow the amount of scale was quite impressive when they showed off the unreal engine 5 but the engine isn't going to be ready and released until the end of this year i've been saying that for a while until you get into a new era of technology for game development i'm not talking about ray tracing uh, you know what i'm saying no 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 no. i'm not talking about that i'm not talking about higher fidelity shading and colors and textures no that's window dressing i'm actually talking about a more efficient tool to build with 
like if you look at con- the, like the history of construction and carpentry the, the, the tools become more efficient and then the buildings become more energy efficient and then building a home a house or a workshop is faster than it used to be because you have tools that are more efficient at chopping down a tree consuming the lumber, treating the lumber shaping the lumber, cutting it to size shipping the lumber, getting the lumber you know what I'm saying? All that's been made more efficient so you know you want to build a house, it's there is there is a more efficient way to do all those things now than 50 years ago and in game development until they get to that place where the tools are significantly more advanced look at almost every game that's launched and you can probably attribute a lot of the game's woes and a lot of the games being hamstrung to their actual dev tools to their dev tools and their engine look at anthem read that big long thing about what happened with Anthem. Most of their problems were attributed to mismanagement, but then they started hitting all the all the snags and all the problems with the engine itself. They started they had to re they had to, they had to literally build the flying mechanic from the ground up, you know. So I think that's where we are. I think we're in a holding pattern with respect to technology development for game development, not the actual games themselves. So do you think that things like VR and AR have the best chance to progress gaming then? Pokemon Go is arguably a leap forward. The reason that virtual reality and augmented reality is always going to sit in a niche, niche lane is because people don't like to... If, if you look at the evolution of movies and television, it's always a screen that you're looking at. The minute I have to wear something on my face or hold something and look at it and then it's like doing augmented reality, the minute I have to do that, you're immediately going to hit the snag of subjective experience barriers. People are going to be like, I don't like it. It gives me headaches. It makes me dizzy. It makes me feel weird. I just want to sit on my couch, right? I think that could potentially help push some of the background tech. I'm talking about game, game engines and dev tools becoming more advanced at what they're supposed to do game engines and the development tools that they use need to have advancements so that you know you can create game worlds and experiences boss fights weapons stories narratives all of that all of that needs to become faster and more efficient than it is now and it all needs to be undergirded with agility it all needs to be undergirded with agility. You launch some big, huge game, big, huge worlds, and all these great experiences, and your boss is falling through the floor, or there's some buggy glitch, some weapon that's busted. You need to be able to go into the game's code server side and fix that. It needs to have agility. Boom! We pushed out. A, we, we we pushed out a patch. We fixed it. You know, it's already it's already been patched. It's not disabled. We literally fixed it already. I'm not like the expert, but I'm telling you, I, it, like I that that's what's holding games back to a certain degree one of the reasons the gaming the gaming environment one of the reasons game development is like hitting a bubble is because it's insanely expensive and it's horribly inefficient it's super expensive to build a video game it takes years and it's horribly inefficient all you got to do is look at some of the biggest releases and some of the biggest launches, and it's like, it's awful. The efficiency is terrible. Building games is is really, really hard and laden with all kind of risk. Big, big, huge, fat, bloated budgets, and then praying to make all the money back. That's why microtransactions have become so, so prominent, because the 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 economic structure of building games is truly horrible. 
you might as well go and try and start a restaurant. You know, even pre-global, you know, sicky situation, starting a restaurant is incredibly risky because there's so many regulations and risks and prices and razor-thin margins. Gaming is in a similar scenario. It's called scalability. There's none in the gaming community. Yeah, it just... The required workload and the required development staff prowess and ability and budget to build a game is enormous. And it's a freaking cement truck. It's just slow and sluggish and not agile. That's why little prop-up games, that's why little, you know, little mobile games are becoming so popular. Why do you think rogue games are, are swept, like became mega mega popular because they don't have to build this big giant expansive world that has all these different moving parts no you build a couple of set pieces and then you build a bunch of abilities that can combine and be awesome handful of bosses enemies boom ship it like rogues are super popular now i think because from a development spec from a from the development standpoint their scope is a whole lot more narrow than trying to build a game like ghost of tsushima you know, you could build a game like Ghost of Tsushima and make it a rogue and have half the staff and half the development time and ship it. You know, some samurai rogue game where like you get different abilities and stances and different, de- you know, deflection parry benefits and stuff like that. And it's basically just a, a, a like a monster, not a monster, a, like a boss fighting simulator. You work your way up to bosses and you go to the next dojo. Like, you could make that game for probably less than half the budget and half the staff of the, whatever whoever built Ghost of Tsushima because a rogue is a contained environment with a set of rules you know that's legends I'm telling you right right so that that should be what I just went on was like a big long rant about like gaming in general and the plateau of experience and the metamorphosis of the gamer's mind and how we actually have developed this expectation of when I buy a new game it should blow my mind and push the needle forward that metamorphosis of your brain like the first time you went from GoldenEye to Call of Duty to Gears of War like the first time you played those games something happened in your brain there was this injection of, of a heightened experience of dopamine and it was euphoric because you had never seen anything like that before in your life well you can't keep having that experience so you start to feel like it's betraying you it's a form it honestly is what happens to addicts addicts have to consume more 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 because it requires more to hit those levels and games aren't doing that anymore they're not You'd update your console, you'd get a new Call of Duty, you'd get a new game that would look cooler, be shinier, be awesomer. You'd be like, yeah, games are getting better. That's not happening nearly as much anymore. You know what I mean? Thank you, Dr. Philsey. I appreciate that. That was a long answer to that question. Uh, Something stubby. Used to be the belief that Destiny having no legit competition in the market with staying power has been one reason that they seem to be able to coast like they do. Do you think, do you agree with this factor? I mean, it's more than that. What you're saying is, is I think, in a general way, true. It is. It's generally true that there's just no competition to Destiny. But there's also the secret sauce element. Destiny has a secret sauce. It just... I've played tons of shooters in my life. I've been playing shooters since Frenzy on the Coleco, okay? 
Frenzy, then Goldeneye, and, and Time Splitters, and up from there. So I've been playing shooters since they came into existence in the form of Frenzy or uh, you know, or, or Wolfenstein 3D, okay? So I've been playing shooters since they were invented, and I'm telling you right now, nothing feels like Destiny. Nothing. Every time I come back to it and I start shooting a couple of ads, there is something there. It's just something about it. The other day when I started playing, I was like, man, it just feels good. It does. There's just something there that they'll never, nobody's, re- nobody's replicated it. Nobody. Like, literally nobody. Nobody has replicated the feeling of Destiny. They come close. Titanfall 2's guns and Apex is the same, you know, it's the same engine. Um, yeah, they feel good. They feel good, but man, there is there is something there that other games wish they could get their hands on. It's like in that scene in The Founder when Michael Keaton tells them that they don't even know what they have with the name McDonald's. He's like, it's everything. He's like, anybody could have copied your your process. Anybody could have mimicked what you guys did back there with the with the speedy system. That's not what it is. It's the name McDonald's. He saw the marketability, the appeal. It just it feels American. It feels like home. His speech is brilliant. And there are plenty of other games that have looked at Destiny and have tried to replicate the idea of like color-tiered looting systems and grinding and strikes and raids and whatever, and it doesn't work. Because when you when you set the controller down and you're done playing, you don't have that like, whoo man, that just felt good. It just felt good. If if another game could pull it off, I'm I'm dead serious. If another game could pull it off, it would be a it would be an enormous hit. And it would be accused of being a Destiny clone or whatever, but at the same time, it, it, it kind of probably wouldn't matter. The danger of setting your sights on the Destiny community and trying to appeal to us is we're ravenous and we're honestly horrible. <laughs> we are ravenous and we are horrible. You don't want to try to make a game for us. We will eviscerate it. You be- you better build a game that is literally has a a skyscraper of depth. Or we're gonna decimate it and complain. This game sucks, man. It's just, it's just not the same, dude. It's not. It just doesn't feel like Destiny. And we're already done. We already have all the best stuff. Yeah, we found out if, like, if you stand in this corner of this room, yeah, you can kill the boss like 85 times in an hour. He just keeps respawning. Yeah, I already have all the guns. Yeah, I watched, I watched, you know, Bozo the Clown's YouTube video, and he showed me how to do it. Yeah, done. Yeah, game sucks. Dead game. Bye. You better have literally the the absolute stoutest, most deep, amazing game in in existence, or we're gonna just shred it. And all these stupid YouTubers are gonna eviscerate it, and they're gonna they're gonna cheese the ever loving frick out of it. And a week later, you're gonna be like, I just don't have anything to do. <laughs> I broke all the natural games progression systems by bypassing all of them, but I don't have anything to do. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, the de- look at what the Destiny community did to Anthem. It took them two days to literally abuse that game and wring it out like a rag. And they streamed it. They were like, they just absolutely demolished that game's... That game didn't have good endgame, but the little that it had, they destroyed it. You know what I mean? They, they just destroyed, absolutely destroyed it. It was like there was there was there you know there was something here 
And you guys just absolutely ra- you know ran over like a railroad. Keep people saying outriders will kill destiny. They're, 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 you can't kill destiny. You can't. I'm speaking from the perspective of being successful. I think another game could mimic what Destiny does and be successful, but boy, oh boy, they better be ready. They better be ready. This reason, this community is the reason I would never work at Bungie, <laughs> like ever. Yeah. Uh, something stubby. Uh, I mean, specifically competition that can legitimately drag the community to another title. I don't. I don't think. I think people will generally, in 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 large numbers, always come back to Destiny. They always will. It's just, it's got the secret sauce. It's got the magic. Uh, Shell. Oops. I don't know. What what did I just do? Hang on. Control Z. Perfect. If Destiny becomes free to play, wouldn't that just be a detriment to any form of unique or even challenging content? It seems that this would be the final step to confirm that Bungie does not want the old fans, but as many new faces as possible. It just depends. Okay, so let's say that Creature is correct and that they just keep pulling out set pieces from uh, the Destiny content vault. They're just pulling out set pieces and they're they're landing them in the game and there's new stuff in there if you buy the season, uh, but there's aspects of it that are free to play or whatever, okay? So they just keep doing this uh, on a rhythm. Well, the truth of the matter is that if they were to do this, that there would still be a certain number of endgame pieces that would rotate back in. So the question would be how much of that would appeal to you? How much of that would require purchase? How much of that would even motivate purchase? Like, and you're actually, are you actually going to want to even buy the season pass? Are you, or like, are you incentivized to buy the season pass? Do you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I, I would think that would be the ultimate question is how much coming out of the DCV and getting kind of like dropped back in the game like a set piece, how much of it would be the end game? And, and, and would there be elements of it that where, you know, they they require you uh, to, to buy the season pass? Because that's always been my hang up. That's always been my hang up is it's like if you don't require people to buy it then then what what's the motivation is it just the pretty stuff I don't know is that going to be enough for a hardcore player is that going to be enough for a committed like lifetime player I I, I truly don't know uh, Horn Joe says why would free to play only be on the cards when we have three years of paid content plan after all we are not prepared right I mean that you're on my side of the fence. I see it from the other side of the fence. I see it from the side of the fence of like, they spent too much time establishing this structure, establishing this pricing structure and revenue system to suddenly be like, yeah, we're free to play now. I feel like the pattern is set and we're all accustomed to spending around $80 a year. And I don't think they're going to go away from that. Ashen, completely off topic, but what do we level for, at least season-wise? I'm dreading having to level up again next season just to play the same Nightfalls again and farm legendary Lost Sectors. Listen, I I said going into Season of Dawn that they just should have made the artifact as the only thing that levels, and you just leave all the content where it is. I don't, I don't need to level. And then you level the artifact for some bonus level, and then you add 10 to the t- 10 to the pinnacle so you can continue to push your pinnacle up and continue to push you know the artifact up and then there would be new content with new difficulty structure for that um i i think they're in a significant weird spot honestly with the scalability of what they've been trying to do um 
I I don't I don't oh man I don't know if they, if they can continue doing this like you got to keep upping the levels of nightfalls and everything else and then you got to like raise the floor of everything else and well they didn't raise the floor of everything else last year but they did you know you just keep leveling keep leveling keep leveling keep leveling like we have to level now because of sunsetting right they can't get rid of leveling that's true like I said going into season of dawn I thought it was literally just going to be the the uh, the artifact um so I'm worried about adept nightfall loot too in regards to that well grandmasters usually launch like a month in they don't let you jump into grandmasters right away and that's where the adept nightfall loot is so if you want to set your sights on that you know you usually have about a month to level up before they launch grandmasters it's usually like three weeks three four weeks or so um before they do that so you know i I don't have the answer to leveling you know anymore I, I i don't like it either i'm kind of sick of it but it's like a necessity people like it it's weird but people like it they like to level up every season they like to see the number go up i you know that i remember when i said if you go back when i said that they they might be getting rid of leveling and that we would literally just um level up the artifact there were people that were like i won't play then they're like what's the point I'm dead serious. There are lots of people that like they want to level every season. They do. I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> I truly don't. It, it, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me either. I get it. I get the appeal of seeing a number going up. I just think because of the way it's set up with gear and RNG, I think a lot of us have just got grown tired of it. You know, we've just grown tired of it. If it was more linear and it just happened automatically and you could just play and drops are just helping you, you know, they've they've definitely made it faster and better but it it still is it still is a sticky point for the for the community so all right if you're here in the live audience don't go anywhere usually when i end q a a lot of people kind of they kind of end their day with me if that's you make sure you've pressed the like button uh and the subscribe button before you leave uh and as always if you're listening to this elsewhere you can always catch me live on youtube sntrlive.com will bring you there i'm gonna keep streaming so if you're in the live audience don't go anywhere if you're listening elsewhere please like share and subscribe